0: boy oh boy oh boy it is that time again it is that time for pod like a hole with your friends mark steve and eric what we do here we talk about cool things we talk about uh bands and artists and albums that we all enjoy and then force each other listen to it take notes on it research it and sometimes even listen to their entire discography it is a form of pain and punishment that we love to do with each other but we never want to bring pain and punishment to any of our fair listeners um, you are the, what makes the juice happen um, and tonight we are going to go through the mean streets of bristol and find some hooligans that knocked over a dustbin in Shaftesbury. and Kick those, it all the way down to Basilton. <laughs> and those boyos who are uh, probably doing a soccer chant at some point in their, their careers this is the band Massive of Attack. We're going to be talking about the record that was released in 1998 in one of my picks who am i i am mark that album is mezzanine but instead of hearing me go on about three lads from bristol there's three lads on this podcast but they're not from bristol they're from various points unknown first news to you steven Stephen, say hello to the fans
1: this episode is a Ted Lasso themed episode of the soccer
0: or hooligans in the soccer it's a synergy it's synergy not brought to you by Apple TV Plus or season three of Ted Lasso probably streaming on a uh, device near you as you're probably listening we're not as friendly we're not as optimistic as those boys um, Put,
2: putting some money in your pocket though there Mark
0: that is, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Um, and then that man that you just heard from was Eric. Eric, say hello to the Eric heads out there.
2: That's right. Oi, 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 ballyhoo! Then.
0: Yep. All that then. What's all this then? What's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> the the days of the Bowie years where we were doing some uh, good old. Uh, Ratso Ritso uh, Tony um, Visconti and Mm -hmm. the Matt Berry version of David Bowie and then the janitor that would pop in sweet memories sweet sweet summer children that was just years ago and now this is the season that will never end
1: I was doing the math uh, actually Mark was doing the math and then I was looking at his notes which is how things have always been and uh, I think there's like nine records
0: left 12? 13? I don't even Gross know. Gross every day. It is like two rabbits in a cage. Um, before we get into the meat of the episode, what we all brought you here for, we like to do a little thing called Jeer About This. Or, uh, it's always brought to you by our dear friend, Stephen. So, Stephen, what did you need to tell us? What did we hear about? Well, a couple of things, guys.
1: Uh, first, it's more of uh, just news for the Steve Heads. Uh, did you hear about this? Because I bet you didn't. I just read 20 minutes ago that the masterpiece known as Countdown to Destruction by Megadeth was released on Dolby Atmos today. That's That album already sounded great, folks. Uh, you should check it out. It is a good-sounding record. Such hits as, uh, well, Symphony of Destruction, and uh, of course, uh, Foreclosure of a Dream, and then Mark's favorite, the uh, Sweating Bullets, with the famous phrase, "Hello me,
3: meet the real me."
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, you can hear you can hear the Hello
0: Me's in surround sound through Dolby Atmos. I always feel like whenever it's my turn to edit an episode, I always get an opportunity to, to drop that, 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 that bit in there. There you so go. That's great. You do for real now. Um, in other news, you know, I, I haven't
1: seen much. I got to say, though, one theme in the last episode, we were talking about the tickets, the expensive tickets, and the Bruce Springsteen. Folks, I don't even heard about this, but the pandemic apparently is completely done. And the bands that can still uh, afford to tour, they are touring like crazy. Did you guys hear about this? There are so many tours coming through. Did you hear about all the tours?
0: My goodness, yes. Uh, my wallet uh, is in therapy because it's been used and abused.
1: Yes, I actually I actually borrowed money from Mark today because there's so many tours because I'm waiting for my brother to pay me back for other tours and I had to buy me breaks today. But that's, that's true. That's a true story. I uh, bought a bunch of Bruce Springsteen tickets. My brother snaked me. That guy, I, you know what? What's he doing? I can't find him. And then another guy comes to town, and we got to buy more tickets. I'm still bruising from buying Mr. Bungle tickets and ministry tickets and ghost tickets. Too many tickets. Bought Bruce Springsteen tickets last week. Um, so did Mark. I think, Mark, you're going to let, let's let's go around the horn here and then end with what we bought today. Sure. So, so let's see. Uh, Mr. Bungle's coming to town, and and Steve and Mark are going to that. Yep. And then, uh, Ministry and Gary Newman and Frontline Assembly are coming to town, and Steve and Eric are going to that. And then, uh, Steve's going to Ghost with his family. That's a very Steve thing to do, lawn lawn seats. Bruce Springsteen's coming to town. Eric and- no, Eric's not going to that. Uh, even after last episode, he's not a true believer. Mark and Steve (laughs) are going to Bruce
0: Springsteen. I'm going to Depeche Mode
1: with my kid. Eric's going to Depeche Mode with his kid.
0: Uh, you got any other ones we haven't brought up yet, Mark? I'm going to the yeah, yeah, yes yep, uh, There you go. With, with the wife. Yep. Yep. And then all
1: three of us are going to unite and go to very, very topical for this season. Went on sale today. We're going to join the, uh, the secret world together, which is, I hope it's as sexy as it sounds. And see Peter Gabriel. Went on sale today. Went on sale today. Where is he coming, Mark? You bought the tickets.
0: To uh, the San Francisco Chase Center. So it'll be a special preview for Steve and I to scout it out for when we actually see Bruce Springsteen in December. Um, but yes, I think in the last two months, um, about $1,000 have been spent on tickets. And uh, that's no lie. Yeah. But I'm glad to be out of the house. I'm glad that I'm going to be able to... Take some advantage of seeing some live music with some of my pals, and of course the wife. Um, But yeah, I told Eric today, if uh, Tom Waits happens to come out of whatever he's in currently, it'll be the uh, fourth horseman of the apocalypse, and my (laughs) wallet will never recover. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: well, thankfully, that's probably probably not going to
1: happen. So, you know, the fact that it won't. Go ahead, Eric.
2: <laughs> no, I was going to say, if that happened, then the three of us better start scouting uh, apartments uh, together in a in a Placerville where we can move in uh, for less money. Yeah, yeah, it's because we won't be allowed in our house in our homes anymore.
1: This is thrilling radio for everybody. Listen to these old men talking about beating off and going to shows together in that order. So. <laughs> That's the news. Megadeth and tickets. What next, Mark?
0: Well, uh, before we get into Massive Attack, um, I'm sure that we've all been doing our due diligence on preparing for this episode, giving the listeners what they want, all of the trivia, all of our opinions on every single track off Mezzanine. That can't be all that we're doing. Um, Now it is time to plug that hole. So, Eric, tell me. What do you recommend what do you plug in
2: oh boy uh, caught me caught me a little uh, caught me a little unprepared today but um, That's you know what she said yeah you know what it's not so much a plug but I'm more closing the loop on a previous plug um, you know a uh, a replug if you will uh, a few uh, episodes ago we had mentioned that there would be a new fever a album with some production by Season One uh, Trent and Atticus. Indeed, that did drop today. I can report. I listened to it. I hope. I you know. I hope you do too. Uh, it's a very interesting record. The first four tracks are co-produced by uh, Fevor's, I think, brother, who's like the producer of the Knife. So those first four tracks are almost like a Knife reunion, and then it gets into some uh, more um, variety in, in production. And uh, Trent and Atticus do do two tracks on there. Um, one track is very entertaining. It's a, it's a track called uh, Even It Out. And it's, it's literally, she's, she, the, the, she opens the track saying, like, this is for the Zacharias who beat up my kid in high school. And it's about taking revenge on your kid's bully. And that song is, uh, there's a video for it with Trent Atticus making a quick cameo. It's ridiculous. Uh, the video's ridiculous. Uh, they're just in a, a half second. But that song is pretty cool. Um, And then there are another song called The North. But overall, that album is sonically very interesting, um, lyrically very interesting. Uh, Her vocal delivery may not be for everybody. Uh, It's certainly off kilter, not always on beat. And, um, you know, being up there in, I think, Sweden? uh, You know, she's definitely got that Swedish version of Bjork kind of... uh, uh, I guess, you know, uh, cotton balls in the mouth kind of sound. Um, but I don't mean that disparagingly. She's got a unique voice and uh, I think it's pretty cool. So I just wanted to close the loop on that. Listen to them. Uh, Nine Snail said she should at least try- check out those two tracks, but I think the whole album's worth your time.
0: Uh, didn't realize the whole record had dropped. i the radar to make sure that uh, giant songs of surrender by you 2 sees the light of day. Um I'm only half joking, but I do uh know that I uh, need to uh do my homework, eat my vegetables and uh be a good model citizen in the Nine Nails community. Anything my Lord and Savior releases is obviously is gold, so have to
1: do that yeah i've noticed that they they put out a few soundtracks i haven't uh, listened to i've I've fallen behind that's what happens when you don't do a podcast about a band anymore you you fall behind that's the only reason people do podcasts anymore is to keep up with the bands they like it's a very strange uh, situation that everyone finds themselves in in this modern world eric are any of those any of those new uh, trent Reznor uh, atticus ross soundtracks worth the damn or is it more bird boxing
2: uh, I actually don't hate the Bird Box soundtrack, but I would say these are a little different. Empire of Light is a very soft piano-driven uh, score. Um, uh, it's very pretty. You could put it on at a fancy dinner party. Uh, Bones and All um, is more uh, guitar-driven. That's what she said. And- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, cue the honking sound effect there. Uh, but, um, the uh, Yeah, Bones and All is like a swampy... Uh, swampy, like Appalachian guitar uh, riffin soundtrack. Um, it's definitely a little bit more moody and atmospheric. It's kind of cool in that way. And like I said in the previous episode, there is one song where or Trent sings Trent and Mary Queen uh, sing uh, the kind of theme to the movie. So,
1: is it is there any swamp industrial or is it just uh, acoustic swamp?
2: No, yeah, no, no, no. It's more it's more acoustic swamp. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Very. All right. Uh, Steven, what uh, hole do you need to plug?
1: A couple things. I like to listen to uh, instrumental music, instrumental music when I read my comic books. And I have been revisiting some for the first time and uh, some again the Chris Claremont run of The Uncanny X Men. That is comic books written from about 1974 until 1990 about those Merry Mutants, the X-Men. I, for some reason, just started doing it. I can't remember why. I think I tried to pull this off like a decade ago. And I was sitting there and I was like, I, I have all those things in my tablet. Wanted some comfort reading. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a gay old time, a literally gay old time at times. There's many uh, subversive themes in there about uh, outsiders and acceptance and uh, finding a community outside the norms. It's the X-Men. We all know the X-Men. There's many movies and cartoons and whatnot. But these uh, these are the original comics from the late 70s, early 80s, and they are a blast. That's, uh, that's one of my plugs there. The Chris Claremont Run, they call it. Eric, have you ever read any of the Chris Claremont? Chris Claremont run a lot. A lot of words. A lot of word balloons.
2: Yes, I've read a lot of the Chris Claremont run. It. It's. I love that. It's. It just feels like a soap opera, uh, and you just get caught up in those damn mutant teens drama in a great way. It's just its own little world in the Marvel universe. It's. it's fun.
1: It is very yes, very soap opera. y very dramatic. So I've been reading that, and um, I watched something. I watched something. I watched two things. Got so. Uh, There he goes to doing three plugs to make up for Eric's half-ass plug. Um, (laughs) uh, One thing is a movie that had, we we talked about this movie before 30th anniversary came out. We've talked about it in the writer's room, but I watched falling down again, falling down with the, was that Michael Douglas or Kirk Douglas? You know what? We did talk about it when we did the front, the frontline assembly episode.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Well, turn 30 and I watched it again, and as I said this, I realized we talked about it quite a bit in the Frontline Assembly episode, so we don't got to go deep diving into old defense once again, but I, I watched Falling Down once again, and I asked myself, am I the bad guy? So, <laughs> Falling Down, if you want to listen to a more in-depth discussion about Falling Down that I just realized we had, check out our Frontline Assembly episode discussing the album Millennium, Millennium. Excellent. And, yes. And I got one more thing here. <laughs> uh, the season finale of Poker Face was last night. And it was a great show on Peacock. And I, I think we've talked a little about Columbo before and Murder She Wrote on the show. But uh, Poker Face is probably the most fun I've had with a TV show in a while with uh, Natasha Leone and a rotating cast of great actors. Uh, each episode was a standalone story, uh, Natasha Leon being the through-line. It was a, you know, murder of the week show, and she was the main character. Looks like there'll be a season two where uh, the main bad guy is also from uh, Cheers. And, uh, yeah, Poker Face is very good. I give it my top top marks. As soon as it was done, the wife and I both actually were like, oh, we could watch that again. Which, uh, for both of us to say that after a 10-hour uh, season of TV is something. Poker Face. I, I think it's a four-quadrant show. Appeals to all types. It's funny. It's well-written. It's well-directed. It's got a diverse cast of characters. Good stuff. Funny and heartfelt and grisly. It's got violence and F-words
0: and a heart. Poker Face. Yes, uh, her po 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 poker face is uh, fantastic. Ryan Johnson doing his uh, always high quality work. Uh, Natasha Leone's uh, Peter Falk Columbo voice is great. Um, everything is like that murder mystery that gets unwrapped, and but it also seems to be able to thread that needle of being like a serialized show as well, even though it's like a new case per week there's this ongoing character arc that's happening um i haven't finished the season finale but uh good acting good writing good cinematography it's a home run so great recommendation
1: did you watch the one with nick nolte
0: yes of course and (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) it had had nick nolte and louise goodman in it guzman
0: in it Uh, i can't ask for much more than that yeah um, so my wife watches uh, Watch What Happens with Andy Cohen, and Natasha Leone uh, was one of his guests. And she said that one of her favorite episodes, which I believe that she actually directed, was the Nick Nolte episode. But she really connected with Nick Nolte. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I, I adore that lady I have since I was a teenager. But yes, vocally, she's on the same tra- tra- trajectory as Nick Nolte. <laughs> Very much so. Little little vocal fry going on there, but she's a she is a she's a American treasure if you ask me. Yeah,
2: yeah I yeah. haven't got I haven't gotten to it yet. It's just so annoying. En- I love I love my wife, and all she watches is seventies and eighties detective shows. Uh, I can't get her to watch new stuff, and I really want to watch this with her. So I'm just gonna hold out. I'm gonna hold out until I until I break her down. You know, uh, over time. I think she'll like it. So, uh, but I am in the Natasha Leone fan club. Of course, Slums of Beverly Hills and uh, the her Netflix show Russian doll. Great show. Great show. Super funny and actually super smart approach to time travel. Uh, highly recommended.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, mate, I might have to cue that up. I certainly have been watching things as well. So in terms of what I'm a uh, whole plugin uh, tonight, so- Spoiling things, too. Spoiling them. Yeah, I had no idea. It was a time travel show. Thanks, Eric. Um, and I do uh, like to spoil things. Fucking first episode! Oh! Um, so I have been catching up on a lot of things. Uh, not just watching Star Trek, because I'm done with that. Um, I think I'm the first of the three of the trio that actually finished The X pants um, uh, Steven had a broom incident with his TV, so he's waiting that out. Um, so one of my plugs is actually a film, you know, it's Oscar season. I don't know if the two of you have caught an Oscar fever, you know, it's, uh, it's that time. It's a oh, yeah. season, baby.
2: Oh yeah. I got, uh, yeah. I'm 100 a 103. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> there's a film out there. It, you can find it on Netflix and it, it definitely spilled a lot of ink worldwide. And that is the film R, R, R. Now I didn't walk into this movie no thinking like all right this is a goddamn Bollywood movie there's gonna be dancing there's gonna be yeah you know, Slumdog Millionaire but man oh man I, I, that was a movie that like within the first ten minutes it was all in it was all in I was pushing my chips to the center of the table it, it's uh, basically it's basically
1: an X Men movie I mean it's uh,
0: it is it is hyperkinetic mayhem. It is hyperkinetic mayhem. I mean, um, just the, what they pulled off in that is unbelievable. Um, it's a three-hour epic. Find on Netflix, and fortunately, oh, I don't know. Maybe this might be your jam. I had I had the subtitles going along with the the kind of bad overdubbing, um, but man, it's good. Oh yeah! Good. It was had some great sequences with action, I watched dancing,
2: that fucking bridge, and like rope flag sequence like probably 20 times. That that scene is absolutely insane. Uh, God. The uh, and yeah, the dancing it sneaks up on you because it you know it's not like a musical but when they need a musical number about halfway through the movie it sneaks up on you and it is just pulse poundingly amazing
3: so
0: (laughs) good the (laughs) cinematography i mean like i didn't think i didn't enjoy one second of that three-hour movie i did watch it in a couple sessions because you know
2: i've got right yeah 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 no as did i and ray stevenson's the bad guy in it too which i love that guy
0: yeah definitely solid stuff and um one other sh- thing that I've been watching, and you two have already, you know, lapped me uh thricefold, is the, f- the show Barry. Oh, my God. Oh, Barry! Season one, and um, Bill Hader puts on a clinic. Uh, Henry Winkler is doing his, you know, maritime law character from... Barry Zucker- development. Well, Maritime so- Law
2: was Michael. Uh, Barry Zuckerkorn was the uh, absolutely seedy lawyer that was constantly <laughs> picking up picking up uh, Strange. Yeah.
0: But my goodness, that show, I know I'm sleeping on that show. And you know another show that's coming back on the air very soon is Righteous Gemstones. I need to like get myself correct and catch up. My two recommendations is Barry, if you haven't watched it, and I know I'm slow to the game, but RRR are my two so there you have it
1: yeah RRR. i like that a move that movie kind of went beyond like a cult phenomenon like a lot of people saw it and i like i I like uh something like that that gets into the big time america zeitgeist because it's uh got a diverse cast and it's not your typical type of uh movie and uh that gets popular here yeah, Barry, so you only finished season one, huh? You haven't watched season two yet? You got season two waiting
0: for you? So here's the deal. I think after I watched season one, uh, kind of like with Eric and his wife with Poker Face, I was like, you know what? I need to pump the brakes. I think the old wife would enjoy this show. And so I think I'm going to have to rewatch season one before I progress even further. That's terrible. Being <laughs> considerate.
1: Being considerate. Um, nothing, nothing ever good came of good manners, but all right.
0: True, no good deed goes unpunished.
1: Well, season three is coming out in April,
0: and uh, season two is uh, three I mean, times season as good. Se- four season four, I think, is coming out in April. No, Barry will only have three seasons. Is that true? Okay, it is. Call me corrected. You are. I don't know, Eric's making a face. Eric's making a face. He's he's getting the good. I'll bet you five thousand dollars that uh, Barry oh. only has three seasons. You're you're. Writing checks, you can't cash. Uh, <laughs> You're out of control. You're a loose cannon gun and good badge. Good pay mark for my Peter Gabriel ticket.
1: Um, yeah. It, 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 Righteous Gemstones has two seasons. Barry has two seasons.
2: Yeah, Steve's so, right. Steve's right. I, I eat my hat. I, I did right. not take that bet. I did not take that bet, you son of a bitch. I mean, if That's I just want to
1: go like you know, as Captain HBO and then uh, – Succession has four seasons. Succession has four seasons. Coming up, the fourth season of Succession. Which will be the last. Is what yes. Yeah. Can't wait. It'll for be that. the last season of Barry at three seasons. It'll be the last season of success- Succession at four seasons. And uh, 24 is the biggest number.
0: That is true. All right, folks. The whole seems to be pretty well plugged. Um, it is time to talk Massive Attack. So before we get into... The business eric how did you first come across massive attack
2: um yeah so actually it was just a friend uh that we worked with we may all have a similar story but we just uh we had our friend at the record store that was a super super fan of massive attack and trip-hop genre in general uh, uh portis had, well pretty much Portishead head and massive attack uh and so um just you know exposure to the album um the music videos uh and just it overlapped with electronic music i already liked and hip-hop music i already liked um and uh yeah i i, I definitely got into this album um some of the others earlier, earlier stuff and some of the later stuff but this album uh really just always struck me as very solid from start to finish a a, a really nice like uh unified vision um, so yeah to answer your question yeah it's just a friend we worked with and uh, kind of opening the door to trip hop which there are some some pleasures to be found within um, this is an inconsistent genre but uh the, the, the good the good groups are really
3: good.
0: definitely we'll uh kind of get into the whole genre of trip hop but steven how did you first hear about massive attack Uh, Read about them in magazines in the late 90s Remembered
1: the very detailed album cover Uh, Didn't pick up the record Probably saw the Angel or Teardrop video Um, But working in the record store it It was definitely in the early aughts If you worked at a record store, you had to buy that album It was either pushed on us by our mutual buddy or just one that came on in the record store. You're like, oh, what's this? This sounds neat, need you bought it. Uh, it was just kind of. I didn't feel obligated to buy it. I was told about it. I listened to it. I liked it. Uh, around the age of uh, 22.
0: That's that's my Massive Attack story. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, working at a record store, you're going to get exposed. To this uh, so a couple. Tribblings and drabblings of how I became a Number one, good friend Matt, who also worked at the record store, who you both referenced, who uh, we drunkenly called like three weeks ago when we all hung out at Eric's. We asked him to be on the show, but then cooler heads prevailed. We know that we wouldn't necessarily... The man doesn't live in the technological 21st century. <laughs> I, did knew fa- that I did. This was going to be an issue.
3: <laughs> I did. That out, out, but no
2: answer. <laughs> no, answer.
0: I was, uh, I was that was that
1: phone call was made after I left the party, if you will. But I, I could tell you that no, it would make for, it would make for terrible radio. Take the very first podcast, go back and listen to it. It's probably miserable. It's got an odd cadence the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't even know what he's supposed to be doing. Uh that would be
0: it would be that on steroids. It would be caveman lawyer if you tried to pull that off. So, no. <laughs> so that's number 1. Number 2, um yeah, I would come on like over the loudspeakers and be like who is this? Um but there was a song Angel that was featured in the film Snatch and I really enjoyed that it had an atmosphere for days. I think I was more of a fan of Portishead if you want to really talk about the trip hop genre. And for me, the trip hop genre begins and ends with Massive Attack and uh, Portishead. It was really a flip of the coin whether we were going to talk about a Portishead record or a Massive Attack record. And I think that Massive Attack may have be a bit more of an interesting conversation if we ever somehow... Decide to do another season. Maybe Portis said we'll be included. I don't know. But I was also reading a article in Rolling Stone, uh, the print edition. That's how old I am. And they did a artist profile, a lead singer, and that you wouldn't it's think that this was, was going to be one of the desert. For and <laughs> for all you new metal Ross Robinson, this is a band called King led by chaos and <laughs> steve and
1: what? i actually
0: saw
1: Casey chaos oh yeah man what are you amen, t- this is a foreign San language Francisco. oh man it down amen was awesome amen, was i still awesome. was i uh are
3: fucking
1: yeah i get a little they're actually hard to find in the streams i think they're a debuts album on there but they're uh the second one isn't on there and yeah i subscribed to their their first two albums uh, they sounded like a uh, new metal Iggy Pop. That's what they were trying to sound. And uh, as stupid as that sounds,
0: it sounded good to me and Mark. It did. Uh, the dude yeah. looked like, uh, you know, a roadie for Motley Crue. Um, but one of, like, two of his Desert Island lists, the and Fuse, uh, Shaping. And he was, like, profiled inside of. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine. When Steve and I actually got to meet him after the show, and we talked about that, he was like, "That that record is so fucking." That's, and he just loved it from the start So you know, that really made me try to go back for. Like, he's not necessarily a new metal guy, but you know his first two records were produced for Ross Robinson. Uh, but as soon as like got its heaps in me, I was all in, folks, I was all in, Um, and the song Angel that we'll talk about, Teardrop, Inertia Creeps, and then I started exploring their other works, and uh, that was my gateway to Massive Attack. And speaking of kind of their history, we're going to just breeze right through it. So before you move on, before you move on sure. a couple things here, I, uh, I, I,
1: I hate it when my band origin is, I heard them at the record store, but sometimes you just got to tell the truth. And that really was pretty much it. I forgot. Yes. The snatch soundtrack, uh, definitely was a, uh, a, Harbinger. And also I completely memory hold that amen memory. That's great. Um, that show was at the pound, wasn't it? Was it at the pound? Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. I love that venue. It closed decades ago now. I saw some great shows there. Um, that's fun. Uh, that's actually, Eric, that's where we saw Leftover Crack.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, no, that one more band that I can't, From Autumn to Ashes? No, not, not that.
1: No, oh, they were bad. <laughs> no, yeah. There, there was there, one of those no, screamo bands.
2: Yeah, there was a screamo band, but, but Leftover Crack was a great time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but no, the Amen was fun. I uh Eric, I'm going to I'm going to find you some songs I think you'd actually like them.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Definitely. I I honestly think that they're more punk than um new metal to be honest with you. Um they've got some hooks. Uh yeah. No, that first record and that second record very fucking hooky. Um terrible band name though. <laughs> That's fine. Um, So, in terms of the history, you know who we got, who we got in this band. Who, who the hell is Massive Attack? You know, really, the the big main driving force that has remained constant is a a gentleman by the name of Robert Del Naja. His nickname is 3D. Um, And who are the early players? Got Adrian pause also known as Tricky, who went off to do a pretty successful solo career. There's Adrian Andrew, excuse me, Andrew Bowles, uh, also known as Mushroom. And Grant Marshall, a big dude that looks like you don't want to mess with. Grant, our daddy, G. the lineup ebbs and flows, but uh, generally Robert Delmoff they were formed in bristol they don't have a whole lot of records in their discography uh, they only have five studios. 1991 hold on a sec eric just let me go through this. I'll, I'll call on you in a second. uh blue lines released in 1991 followed by protection in 1994 their third record which will be discussing night 1998 me Mezzanine and a huge layoff layover 2003 they come back with 100th window and that's really just a Robert Del Naja
3: and daddy G and Robert Del
0: Naja come back together
4: a variety of players which is actually a very good uh, Aligo Land which was released in
0: they have some EPs uh, Tricky rejoined them in 2016 on an EP called Ritual Spirit and in 2020 they released something that's only exclusive on YouTube called Utopia they also released one soundtrack for the entire score for 2004's film Leashed. you can either find it the soundtrack or Danny Dog which was the title. um you know, in my estimation, blue lines and protection definitely sound like house, urban music. The mezzanine is when they really start to embrace the dark side a little bit of Atmosphere. Under the window, is has got Radiohead album uh, that uh, Too Long has Sinead O'Connor on there. Not too bad. Uh, one of their songs, Future Proof, was featured in a vodka commercial. And- Legoland um, has some gems from Damon Auburn came and joined them, uh, some collaboration, with some folks on TV on the radio, um, uh, song Atlas air is fantastic. So this band is kind of a mishmash of quality, uh, in terms of the trip hop genre, definitely seen as the Godfather. Maybe create creators. um, but mezzanine was definitely the one that was probably their best selling, uh, most accessible record with teardrop, probably their largest signal, signal single. Uh, it was even featured as the uh, theme song show house. But yeah, that is essentially their history. Nutshell. Eric, what did you want?
2: Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like those early albums. I think you're right. There is this. There's some really cool parts to them, and there is some parts that just feel like, uh, like almost like early catwalk music or, 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 or something. Um,
0: Free your mind. Right, Rest but
2: but I think uh, the what came out of Bristol, the story of of how Bristol basically created trip hop is interesting, and I can do this really quick. I promise but um uh in the 80s uh bristol was a like definitely a melting pot and there was a lot of um you know white english people and there was like uh immigrants from um you know from the caribbean or from jamaica and uh no one in bristol there was no hip-hop clubs and hip-hop was emerging and being a big thing there was no hip-hop clubs so you couldn't listen to it so these, these, uh, these hip hop fans and they were like crews in Bristol. And almost all of the massive attack guys came from the wild bunch. That was their name. And it was a mixture of like them just making some early music and doing spray painting and stuff like that. You know, they started, uh, going to, uh, the only clubs that had the sound systems with the bass that could handle hip hop. And those were the reggae clubs and the dub clubs. And, uh, those clubs would let them like basically do late night after their normal thing, uh, do hip hop shows. So that's where these crews would come together. And, uh, you can kind of see like, um, and we made a lot of fun about dub over the years, but I've kind of come full circle on it when I've seen how much it's impacted electronic music and stuff we love. And, uh, um, when you see those things like dissect with hip hop dub, and uh, electronics, you suddenly see this, you know, trip hop kind of come out of that. And, um, and so, yeah, Bristol was the birthplace of trip hop. And uh, anyways, I just think that that that's really important. And the wild bunch, which was a lot of the members of a massive attack uh,
0: were major players early on. Steven, uh, what do you think of their discography as a
1: whole? <sighs> I revisited the first, I think I revisited blue lines again. And, uh, I, I didn't go through all the records again. I even. I might have owned all of them at one point, and I had trouble listening to any of them over and over like I do this one. Uh, this is definitely, hands down, their best record. No one would argue that it's not. And the other ones are kind of just a different. Uh, the first few are a little rougher. And then uh, 100 Windows or whatever it is, just. It just kind of sounded like. I don't know, maybe expectations uh, by the time it came out were too high. And I was just like, this is it? Just this? You know, I went and saw them with DJ Shadow, and uh, I left that show just being kind of like, that was that? That's what That's what we got? Like, these guys, th- th- these are the mezzanine guys, you know? What, what, what the hell? But uh, they all can't be zingers, as they say. Um, not a bad discography, just one that... Uh, for me for the style of music that I typically go back to I love the album we'll talk about tonight the other albums I don't go back to as much um, there what they're, there is some stuff though like some of the earlier stuff actually made me dig out uh, early prodigy albums which not a I guess just like similar uh, region similar time with the 90s. But I, for whatever reason, their earlier albums reminded me that I like early Prodigy, and I went and listened to those albums again. Funny enough, odd side effect. Prodigy obviously aren't trip-hop, but they were definitely early Bristol, probably, uh, Electronica. I'm sure they were from Bristol. I don't know. Keith Flint and the boys.
2: I don't have it handy. I should know that. Should have I feel like you should. We should. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, Joe Viera when you need him? I'm
2: a, yeah, exactly. I'm a real fire snuffer tonight. So. <laughs> uh, also, uh, d-
1: d- uh, Tricky. I like Tricky. Tricky was kind of the godfather, wasn't he, to this genre? What do you think?
2: I mean, I think he shares I think he shares the beginning with Massive Attack. But um, the same year Mezzanine came out, you have Portishead breaking, and you have Tricky going off on his own doing uh, Max and Quay, which is a phenomenal album. Max and Quay is like, it's got this organic sound, but it uses all these samples and Tricky's voice is very cool. And his songwriting is like, he's writing from all these different perspectives. I don't, I don't hang with Tricky much after that, that album, but that is a very cool album. So I don't know if he's the godfather, but I mean, he is, I think he shares it with that Bristol scene.
1: Should we... Try to explain what trip hop is supposed
0: to be. Are we going to do that? We can. I mean, it uh, certainly sounds very hip hop. I mean, there is rap elements into it. But Mark, instead... Mark, can
1: I stop? Mark, can I stop you? Can I stop you? Of course. Yeah. I didn't mean we. Not you You. Or meant I. you. No, I didn't mind. I didn't mean me. I meant Eric. Eric, <laughs> tell us what trip hop is. <laughs> well, as I was describing,
2: yeah, as I was describing that it came like it was these dub clubs that were these, they would go to, you know, listen to hip hop music and then they would start making their own music. So, you know, you have these elements of uh, the spacey like sense that throb into the stratosphere that comes out of dub music. Uh, meanwhile, you have this like these funk samples that are doing the drums. And then you have like spy bass. There is definitely like a spy music soundtrack that comes with trip hop especially when you get those like string those big strings where they sound like a bond song which we'll get to uh in the album tonight a few times um and then yeah there's this like a lot of times there's this urban either rap like almost a rap kind of thing going on or there is an urban like r&b uh you know uh usually female vocalization that's happening during choruses um and so it definitely has this like but it's it, it's a much lower BPM than any other dance music at the time. So I guess if you were in like a rave or a club, you would be going in the chill room for, for this one. Um, I don't know if that, that puts it all together for you.
0: It does. I mean, this is very smoky. This is where, you know, um, you want to go and brood. Uh, instead of, you know, taking a hit of ecstasy, this is where you're going to smolder look around the room in a very smoky atmosphere
2: or when the ecstasy starts wearing down, you go into the trip hop room. Sure. But yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, this is uh yeah, I think, but it's very much ingrained in club culture in, in the UK. Um, and it, it pulls a lot out of the sixties and seventies uh, as well as the rap that was coming out of the eighties. Um, I like, I like it on paper um there's probably more bands i don't care about than bands i do in the trip hop genre but when it when it hits right it is a i hate to say like the kids it's a vibe it's a vibe that i can get down with
0: yeah i mean like i said like it really begins and ends with like two bands for me like i don't dabble with tricky i think i've listened to max and quay like once and it was fine but tricky opened up for tool and my goodness i was checking my watch the entire but yeah who's that artist who's that artist that has
1: a the album cover was a young woman either sitting on her bed or the floor of her room with like uh, a few vinyl albums around her. <laughs> <laughs> I know that could be any record but that was uh,
2: corner
3: shop
1: no, no corner, of that. no, <laughs> that's not. not.
3: <laughs> That's that was not, Brimful yeah, of Asha. Yeah.
1: You uh, have to look it up. This was this was another this was like the I owned all the Portishead albums. I owned but only listened to a few of the Massive Attack albums. I owned a Tricky album and then there is this other band who I own this one album by, suggested to me by a friend of the show Matt and our old boss Amber. It was another trip hop album and it was really good. I cannot remember the
0: for the life of me who it was. There was like two bands that kind of fell a little bit. Uh, there was Bowery Electric, Bowery Electric. Um but I don't think that's that band. And The Sneaker Pimps.
2: <laughs> I was going to say like like 6 Underground is a cool is a really cool song when it came out, but it is definitely the bubblegum trip hop. Um yeah. and it's only that album that really fits in that genre. Um <laughs> But uh,
1: were the sneaker were the sneaker pimps on the the spawn soundtrack?
0: They sure uh, were. Oh, sure
2: they did. They sang Marilyn Manson, right?
0: That's yeah. exactly right. Well, I think that Marilyn Manson was a song, and then I think the lead singer of Sneaker Pimps like came in after the fact, of, since it was becoming a a collaboration, Judgment Night type soundtrack. So. Yet another slamming track from the
1: golden age of the canceled Marilyn Manson. I know. That song, Long do? Hard
0: Road Out of Hell, is a banger. That's a good one. Um, all right. So that's who Massive Attack is. We've uh, discussed trip hop, we've discussed some discography. It is time to talk mezzanine. So, leading off with track one, we have the song Angel. Really has two chords. That bass line is brings him in it's very prominent. Uh, it's the the song that was featured in uh, Snatch when everything was going to shit for old Bricktop. Um, you know, the Pikes had got the upper hand. Um, this song is sung by a gentleman by the name of Horace Andy, very in a high register. I think one of the co-hosts believed it to always be a woman initially this was going to be a cover version of the Clash's song straight to hell but horace andy was uh, pretty re- is pretty religious and wasn't happy singing the, the word hell so the producer of this record neil davidich said we are literally rewriting songs while we were mixing angel was plucked out of air at a mixing session At the studios, 3D or Robert Del Naja and Horace Andy went next door. We're kind of throwing vocal ideas around, messing around with the track, dropping things together. Then Horace put a vocal down and was like, "Wow, shit, that is magic." The song is magic. I love this song. It's a great opening track. The video is cool as shit. You've got um, this crowd running at. Daddy G. Um and it's a, it's a fantastic opener. Eric, what do you think of Angel? Oh yeah.
2: No, it's great. Um yeah, and Horace Andy is a regular collaborator with Massive Attack. He was on tracks before, he'll be on tracks after. Um he is a one of the most famous singers uh from uh Jamaica or I think Jamaica. He's one of the most famous reggae singers. Um I, uh, yeah, I'm not always crazy about his vocals. Um, sometimes he can do the pitch switches so much that it's just kind of jarring, but for the most part, he holds his own on this album. I mean, he don't, don't get me wrong. He's a great singer. It's just, you know, not always my taste, but he is, he is great on this song. Um, I think it's pretty awesome that it started out as a clash cover, I would have loved to have heard it as a Clash cover. I love that song, Straight to Hell. It's kind of annoying that he's too religious to have done it, but he ended up getting, uh, you know, he ended up getting uh, Lemonade from Lemons and uh, still pulled out a pretty great song. Um, And, uh, you know, you got a... You got Spy Bass on this one. And when I say Spy Bass, I just mean something that sounds almost like the Peter Gunn bass line do doo do, do 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 like like that that kind of bass i'll slow granted slow down um and you know the song itself is uh it's a love song um uh, there's some great there's some great lyrics like uh you know her eyes she's on the dark size neutralize every man in sight every man in sight just just kind of a love song for a very powerful uh very very powerful angel um did you notice? a certain sample as you get to the chorus of the song that sounds like looking down the barrel of a gun by beastie boys. And it is because they use the exact same sample from, uh, the, uh, bongo band that the beastie boys used. And that's that. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's in there. Um, I noticed it right away. So cool sample usage and, uh, holy hell, that live guitar that comes in towards, uh, uh, well, throughout the song. Very cool. Um, uh, definitely the, the you know, Robert Del Nausea wanted to go post-punk with Massive Attack, um, and this is where it comes through the first time. Uh, very cool riff. Um, uh, noisy post-punk guitar work. Uh, I do like this song a lot.
0: Yes. Yes. Very good insights, Stephen. Angel. Is it your angel? I never uh,
1: noticed that Beastie Boys sample, but I can I can hear it now. And also, I always like it when uh, Eric can do his beatboxing on the uh, show. Um, yeah, this uh, this track is great. The first thing that jumps out to you is the production on it. Uh, it's very crisp. The the bass and that like click drum type drum beat. Um, the instruments are very. Sounds like they went over them a few times to get the clarity there. Um, the way the way that the uh, the guitars come in, and especially towards uh, like, there's a little bit of rising action on this track. There's some uh, rising action on this track that's like subtle rising action that reminds me of early 1970s Pink Floyd. I, I don't know. There's it scratches a part of my brain that uh, reminds me of early mid 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 early 70s pink floyd um just kind of like the mystique to it uh the way that there's like there's just, just the, the way the guitars kind of wash in and I, I know like you're like wait you know pink floyd massive attack and how are you going to make that connection and i'm like do you know what podcast you've you've tuned into here every every third album is going to remind me of pink floyd so i i i, I, I like how the general vibe of this track reminds me, if not audibly, it gives me the Pink Floyd feels, to say what the uh, the young kids would say, as Eric would say. I like how this track kind of uh, drifts in. I like how it kind of drifts out. It kind of almost ends the way it starts. I like that. It, uh, it kind of peaks in the middle. It, uh, it has good rising action that kind of fades out towards the end. And uh, yeah, I, I always thought that the, the vocals were a woman until like a, a year ago. So it shows what I know. Own this, own this record for years. Listen to it many times and always thought that was a woman. It was a well-known man, but what are you going to do?
0: I mean, fair enough. I mean, he definitely sings different from what he sings on uh, a later track called the man next door. And so he's at a higher register and you can see him in the video. I mean, he's in there. Um, you, you see him in there. Um,
1: I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this video. And Like I might, I probably saw the video. I haven't seen it in so long that if I knew it was a man, I forgot that I ever saw the video and it became a woman.
0: I mean, for sure. I mean, it's in a parking garage and I will say, I, I absolutely see the pink Floyd reference. Uh, that baseline can be one of these days. um, I I love this track. It's great. So let's go on to track 2, which is Rising Sun. So this song, Rising Sun, was the first single off of this record. Um, it talks about the whole Bristol club scene at the time. You've got someone going into the bathroom, kind of look at them themselves, probably very sweaty. Uh, you get a little bit more of that hip-hop in the trip-hop in this song. Um, there's a little bit of an interplay happening between 3D and robert del Naja, if you're following along and grant marshall daddy g um toy like people make me boy like um it just robert del Naja, he's got a very nasal delivery where you have daddy g more in that baritone um, I do like this track. I think it's a good track too. It is very dreamy. It is very trip hop. I feel like this encapsulates what trip hop is all about. Um, it feels very you know you took a drug that's woozy and um, great beats, great delivery of the lyrics. It makes transports you into a very seedy nightclub. Um I do like this track. Steven, tell me if you like Rising Sun or is it need to be called Sunset Sun?
1: All right. Nice try. Um yeah, this song is kind of closer to their original style uh, to me. Uh, and like you said, yeah, it's kind of a woozy, druggy song. The 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 drugs really take a hold with the kind of the droney vocalization that sometimes kind of like lack of a better term, drags by the song. Uh, there's like a, a dragged out effect on the, on the vocals that sound very like woozy. Uh, but in addition to that, like you also mentioned, it has like shifting perspective and has a good use of multiple vocalists to kind of make you feel like they're singing at each other. And uh, I, I like that. Kind of gives a, a good dynamic to the track. Um, I like this track. It, it, you, you, you think you have it pegged, is one type of track. But then towards the, uh, I don't know, midpoint, there's like this slowed down, and I, I can actually only say it reminds me, and this is what reminded me of Prodigy, actually. There's this sample in it that reminds me of the Prodigy song, uh, Voodoo People. Is it, uh, Voodoo People? I think it's Voodoo People. Voodoo People or Jungle People. Uh, one of the two. That's the name of that Prodigy song. And there's a sample in this song that reminds me of that song. Is that the screechy, like,
2: wow, like that part?
1: Yes, it's exactly it. And at that point, the song gets kind of, like, slippery to it and, like, a lot of mushy and slurpy and uh, squelchy, if you're watching a Netflix show with captions on, sounds (laughs) on that part. Um, It gets all kind of screwed up. And I I like it, actually. Uh, It's a pretty cool song. It is definitely a song that has... Uh, it's very tactile. Like the song has a lot of weird effects on it that make you feel kind of icky to, to 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 a cool effect.
2: Yeah, I I, I like actually the song quite a bit. Um, when you have like Massive Attack rapping as a crew, where there's more than just one voice on a song, I actually really like that. They did that a lot early on, and it just kind of uh, sputters away as they go on through their albums, and much less so even on this album. So I do like that it's a crew song, so to speak. Um, I like uh, Robert Del is like the pumped up guy that's happy to be at the club and like burning through women and whatever. And then Daddy G is like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> there is too many people. Like, I love that perspective uh, switch. And, you know, you, uh, there are those people that get pumped to be, you know, in the action. And then there's the ones that are begrudgingly there. I think that's that's very true to life and very cool. And 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 to Steve's point, um, the production on this song takes you for a journey, and that's why I love this whole album is because they can go between uh, ethereal songstress tracks to like crew rap tracks, and always the the the, the production is unified and it feels like a multi layered adventure. Uh, and when those uh, prodigy esque Samples come in, the screeches It does almost turn into an industrial song For the last bit, in a great way um, a- As both characters kind of just give in To the club atmosphere, that's what was going on In my head at least And uh, uh, becomes quite a, uh, quite a Quite a track So I, I give Rising Sun a, a, a big thumbs up And um, actually there's a pretty decent Underworld remix of this song Which takes it To the rave and back
0: all right so let's go to the next track the next track we have arguably their largest signal single my god signal to date which is teardrop let's hear a little bit of that delicate piece of music so that was teardrop you know it's no big um surprise that massive attack like to use a lot of different vocalists they've used a few of those on blue lines protection uh the lady from everything but the girl the song unfinished sympathy uh safe from harm um but now we've got elizabeth frazier from the Cocteau twins lending her pipes to this track. It was inspired by the death of Elizabeth Frazier's one-time close friend, singer-songwriter Jeff Buckley, um, which, you know, the intonation of the word, just breathe, where a guy was, you know, essentially into he died by being caught in he drowned. He went swimming and he got caught up in a dam. It's uh, you know, one of life's biggest tragedies. So the one thing about this song is that even if you're not necessarily following along to the context, it is extremely emotional. It has a excellent vocal performance. The metronome type drums like click. It just works for me. It's deep. You've got the video that has a fetus singing in the womb. Um Chris Cunningham? Or is that a
2: Chris Cunningham video?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I don't know who, I can't remember who directed this video. I don't know if it was a Chris Cunningham. Chris Cunningham mostly worked with Portishead, um, but I don't think this was Chris Cunningham. But the producer of the show, House, was extremely inspired by the music video. Uh, wanted to utilize that same sort of in depth, in the body type. Uh, you know, viewing, and that's how he really punctuated the whole thing with um with that show. I never watched that show, but I'll tell you this. um I think that was Brett Ratner. I don't know who the fuck was the producer, but i w- that was Brian Singer, another guy that's been canceled initially, this song was supposed to be sung by not Elizabeth Frazier, but Madonna. Mushroom, um, apparently, it was the one that showed it to Madonna. Madonna was on board. She wanted to be the one to sing this song. 3D and Daddy G was like, no, nah, we really want Elizabeth Frazier from the Cocteau Twins to do this. This song could have been one of the impetus reasons why Mushroom or Adrian Vowles decided to leave the band. Things got really fracturous between the two, and he's never worked with Massive Attack after this record ever again.
2: That's funny because they did work with Madonna later on.
0: <laughs> they did. On, I, God, what record did they do? Was that a soundtrack a for sing, James a, Bond? Yeah. No. Uh,
2: yeah. I think you're, no, it, maybe. God,
0: like it it's in the collected uh, yeah, compilation. Yeah. There
2: was at least a single. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Not, on, not on any of their albums, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Whew. Madonna who was married to Guy Ritchie and Guy Ritchie directed Snatch it's all connected man um but man this song I do quite enjoy I think that uh it's very emotional I sing along to it and I always get the lyrics wrong every single fucking time but this song is good Steven teardrop is it flowing down your face yeah, no, or I mean, actually, saying, you know what, you know what, Stephen, you know, take five, take a tight five as uh, Adrian, as uh, Henry Winkler would say on Barry. Eric, lead it off.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate you keeping to your, to your roll call, Mark. I, that's, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, you know, let's just start, let's just start talking about Erica. Or, here, pff, Elizabeth Frazier for a second here. Yeah.
1: Good, good choice. Kicking over to Eric. Guy can't all even right, fucking talk. All right.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> So,, uh, so we're definitely cocktail twin fans in my house. I wasn't initially. my wife
0: what a surprise. My <laughs> wife
2: My wife loves them. and initially, I thought it was a little bit too like fairies dancing through the meadow uh, kind of thing. but over time and like very sleepy, very sleepy. and it is. But if you're in the right mood for it over time, I really appreciated it. like, I mean, she sings like Sigur Rós nonsense lyrics uh, but, um, but, shit. But her voice, her voice falling down. But her voice is very ethereal, and the background music for Cocktail Twins is just like Wall of Noise shoegaze, but a little bit poppier, But it is, and it has actually more in common with your like My Bloody Valentine than it does with like Enya. Um. So you know, it took it took me a little while, but over time, I've really come to appreciate just the whole experience of listening to a cocktail twins album and Elizabeth Frazier as a singer you know of course we've talked about her when we talked about the crow soundtrack um, medicine uh, time baby three or whatever that song was called but um, I, I I am uh, I, I gone through the other side of the tunnel and I'm a fan uh, I don't know if you guys have given cocktail twins a day in court
0: I haven't I have not I mean that's some like uh, I'd rather listen to the cranberries to be honest with you I'm just
3: We, they uh, do. Talk, no, only, hold on. We discuss the cranberries. Great. They have a Dreams, quality discography. Anger. Yeah, I'll. Or at least, or at least they got they,
1: they got ten good songs. Uh, ten cocktail. I, I, I can't even pronounce the name. How do you pronounce it again? The cocktail twins.
2: I think the cocktail twins are uh, probably more influential, but definitely not as as accessible. Um, the cocktail twins. What does that name even mean? What does that name know. mean? I don't know. But if you're feeling adventurous... Tell your wife that. Heaven or Las Vegas or uh, uh, Victoria Land are really incredible pieces of work. And I will go ahead and go on record as saying that. But back to Massive Attack. You can see why they pulled Elizabeth Fraser. She's got this ethereal voice in her delivery. That's why Mark can't get the lyrics right. She's got a very interesting delivery where she cuts up words where... Uh, and holds words out longer than they should be, that you don't, you know, she's, she, she tweaks the English language. Uh, and in this one, she's actually singing real lyrics. Um, lyrics on this song are basically about, uh, you know, when you're, and, and, and Mark's connecting it to Jeff Buckley, which um, uh, it's, a, it's a love song, and I think there are some overlaps, but uh, uh, when, it, when it's talking about love, it's talking about how it makes you feel fearless and unstoppable. And, um, and even when it goes bad, uh, a teardrop can't put out a fire. And I think that can, that can maybe relate to like, um, grief. And if she's thinking about Jeff Buckley, you know, the, the feel, the, 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 passion she feels for, for him as a friend, uh, can't be extinguished by the tears. Um, that's how I looked at it. Uh, it's, it is a cool beat. It's very minimalistic. You got a harpsichord riff, piano, and like a simple, like you said, metronome drumbeat. Um, but God, what a cool song! You can see why this was a big hit and 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 uh, has had kind of a legacy over time. And always great to see uh, Elizabeth Fraser get her due.
0: For sure, I'll uh, be in the Elizabeth Fraser uh, camp more so than the Tracy Thorne camp, uh, which was featured in the previous record, Protection. Um, Steven, Teardrop, finally, and it it's your due. Uh,
1: yeah, no, It's, I mean, it's pretty much, a, it's almost a perfect song. I, there's not much you can say they could have done better on this song. Um, I think having this track and an Angel on the same album should be illegal. They're both extremely top-tier songs. Uh, either of those songs, a band would love to have one song of that quality. I mean, they're very, very good songs. Like, if I made... Top 100 songs of all time. I could probably fit "Angel" and "Teardrop" on there somewhere, especially "Teardrop." Um, it's it's just it, it takes you to a special place. Uh, you guys covered a lot of it. That again, the 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 production that 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 drum drum beat drum click. It, it sounds wonderful. Um, the tone of her voice is very pretty and special. Uh, it's a very emotional sounding song, even if you don't know what she's singing and I don't have the time, it still kind of makes you feel vulnerable. Um, and I I like at the end of it, (sighs) there's like a piano strike of some sort or some kind of just, uh, the tempo kicks up a little bit and, um, there's not a lot of instrumentation, but they do a lot with a little in this track. It is a very good song. I don't know what I'll say about it, except it's a great, great, great song. Eric really described it well. Um, yeah. C- coming in last year on this one, all I can say is I agree with you guys, and it's almost a perfect track. There you go. Actually, one just, just one more thing. Um, uh, my timeline on when I did buy this record is kind of fuzzy. Because... Fairly certain I bought this record after I was done with the majority of the dabbling in uh, mind-altering substances that I would do in my youth, but that can't be true. Or I relapsed, because I remember very specifically doing a shit ton of like mushrooms or acid or something and listening to this album. And this song in particular, I was like, oh my god, this is... Uh, I am I am entering the the nexus of all time and space and I am in a you know in my mother's womb again kind of feeling and it wasn't just cuz of the music video <laughs> but yeah I I I do remember very specifically being on a trip and this song really got to me there you go
0: Yeah no I I do believe in the acid days I I think I did listen to this record and it does put you into that uh comfort zone, uh, whether it... It just is very comforting. I don't know what it is. It's very womb-like. Maybe it's the heartbeat-type metronome in that click track. I don't know. I mean, Angel, maybe, it's
1: the, maybe it's the music video,
0: but still. <laughs> for sure. And it, it fits the song perfectly. Um, directed,
1: by, directed by Walter Stern, gentlemen. That's who directed it. Walter I was wrong. Stern. I
2: was wrong. I I felt like you know those remember those director series DVDs I love those oh I, for I sure a those are great and I was sure this was on the one of them and I they definitely didn't have a Walter Stern one so I'm I'm I am Cunningham
1: did Brooks, the Walter, uh, S- Walter Stern also directed the Firestarter video
0: by a band called Prodigy it's all there you good. go it's, it's all connected, connected. Right, yeah. um Cunningham did the underwater only yeah. Only you video with Porta said. That was great. Um, all right, let's go into the next track, which is titled Inertia Creeps. Let's hear a little bit of that. So that was Inertia Creeps, a song that kind of burbles and creeps up on you, and it again um, is a little bit more trip hoppy with Robert Del naja doing his nasally delivery. Uh, the video for this is also great. Um, it, uh, sorry, it's Mark, a sexy uh, song.
2: Do you ever? Do you ever? I don't know if you guys do this, but when when Robert Del Naja raps. I just get like Neil Tennant shop Boys vibes. Like <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Comes Go the west. Same yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, that's you know, I didn't before you said that, but it makes extremely one hundred percent sense. Um yeah he i mean i don't hate it. It, it, it it seems to fit the music i mean you're getting an overload of that on the 100th window there's no doubt about that it's like a cross between that guy from pet shop boys and tom york um but on this song it's a sexy song you've got uh four rotating hips the first you know the preceding song teardrop that's a making love song um you know Teardrop on the Fire, Fearless on My Breath, You're Stumbling a Little, you know, all that good stuff. This one here is more of a fucking song. You know, moving up slowly, inertia keeps, she's moving up slowly, slowly, slowly. Um, It also has this weird, like, Middle Eastern vibe, like this belly dance kind of, like, tune to it. Um, Turkish. Turkish. Very Turkish. Turkish, yeah. No Brick Top, I'm Sweet as it is. Another snatch reference for you, um, and uh, to make another Pink Floyd reference, he 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 comments on the Eiderdown. The only other time that I've ever heard that Eiderdown referenced is on the album *Metal* by Pink Floyd, and that's that's kind of the era that I was saying they, this gives me vibes of. Yes. Uh, I do like this song quite a bit. It is in contention to actually being one of my favorite songs. But here's the thing, folks. Here's the rub. One day I was listening to this in that famed record store that we all speak about. Another gentleman by the name of Justin Gonzalez. Probably not a listener of the show. Probably doesn't even know this show even exists. He was like, is this fucking Savage Garden? And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck did you, did you just say to me, man? Do we need to take this outside? But then I thought about it, I was like, it does sound like Savage Garden. I was gonna say,
1: <laughs> if this isn't your genre of music, you could be like, oh wait, yeah, this is uh I mean this is definitely a couple of British people who just stepped outside of a phone booth, right? I mean
0: what I mean. <laughs> I like the song though, no matter what his disparaging remarks about this song sounding like a uh, fucking Savage Garden song. You like the song? I caught your radio waves, Stephen. Tell me, is inertia creeping up on you?
1: Yes. I mean, before I speak of inertia creeps, um, I'm, I'm looking at the videography of Walter Stern. I need to go over this before we move over too far here. So, Walter Stern, he did the uh, videos that we just talked about. And he also did uh, Into the Void by the band Nine Inch Nails. Remember that video? Them playing in the room there with the... Uh, Great video. Great video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, did also, Trent
0: actually gets acne as well as all of us. He's just like right. us.
1: Also, a little video called... Thursday's Child by David Bowie. Remember that slamming, exciting song, Thursday's Child? Remember that one? Oh,
0: We're yeah. going to go ahead and pass on ours. <laughs> <laughs> the sting of David Bowie's career. Uh, Bittersweet Symphony, that big hit.
1: He directed that big hit. I could fantastic, see Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Great, great song, great record, great album.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to go through all these, but then nestled in here, we've got. You know, you can kind of see going from Nine Inch Nails to David Bowie, uh, the Verve, of course. I mean, this is the, the, that's where they're from, across the pond. I and mean, you've got your Massive Attacks and your Prodigies on here, but then you've also got a song called "Evidence." Who, who has a song called "Evidence"?
0: Faith, no more. There you go. That's fun. King for a day. <laughs> i mean fuck man it was a coin toss between that and angel dust which we'll talk Uh, about later this season tune in
1: that's right one day one fine day getting back to this track i don't have an incredible amount of notes but i do like this song quite a bit it is um this album all sounds of a piece but some songs sound a little uh, like a different piece of the world a different continent if you will um this song is still in the same world as Mezzanine, but a different continent from all the other songs. And the only other note I have here again, I wrote my notes on my phone while I listened to this on headphones away from my desk is the bass line could test a lot of Honda's. The bass line could test a lot ah, of
2: Honda's. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, a yeah. lot, lot, lot of, uh, License plate frames shaking down the street. Yep, yeah, a
1: lot of honeycombs, honeycombs
0: getting rattled. So. <laughs> Good song though, Eric. Yeah, are uh, you doing a belly dance to Inertia Creeps?
3: Love
2: Inertia Creeps. Great song. I don't have a lot more to add. Um, you know, I'm with you on the on the. Uh, you know, it's just a fun rapping piece. Great music though. Um, the video for this song is pretty cool. Uh, because I think it's Robert Del sitting in like this weird vinyl room and he looks kind of upset and he's reviewing video footage of maybe something that happened in that room. Perhaps a porn was filmed or something very weird, uh, something very naughty uh, as he, as he lays on this, this, this floor and watches this video over and over again of the same footage of a, of a woman. Um, but yeah, it's artsy. Uh it, uh it fits the song um, uh, yeah I, I mean inertia creeps is very cool uh, you know I will say it's you know it is mostly it's a very sexual song uh, it does have some ultravox samples in it somewhere uh, which is cool I credit for that there's great rising action in this particular track uh, one thing that just notable is... Uh, he gave this song bef- uh, to the Manic Street Preachers, um, who we briefly talked about in a side episode Is when I interviewed uh, music writer Guy Minkowski, a.k.a. Mank 2.0. Um, uh, and Manic Street Preachers is a really cool, like, Britpop band that never broke over here and had a very short, short life. And their album... Uh, Holy Bible is very, very awesome, and there they did remi- Holy Bible. They did a remix this song, uh, still with Robert Del Naja singing, but them playing like guitars and just doing a more of a of a rock take on it, and it's a very cool remix. And you can find that on, um, I think, on the remix uh, the the Mezzanine Remixes collection, just on the streams.
0: Excellent um well it is time to get to the jazz thieves part of the record with the song exchange And that was the instrumental song "Exchange." There is two versions of this song. One, which we just heard, is the instrumental, and in per- the parenthetical, which closes out the record, does feature some vocals by Horace Andy. And this song was essentially a mushroom or Adrian Val's drunken interlude. And this interlude goes on a little too long for my tastes. It's got a sample from an Isaac Hayes song, which wasn't cleared and which created pandemonium, which essentially helped. There's another song on this record, which even created even more pandemonium, which essentially like made a massive attack, never use samples ever again. So this is not a highlight of the track this is kind of where the record starts to feel a little long for me um it's not a bad song it just needs to be shorter that's just my my two cents on this one eric do you need to exchange exchange
2: no i'll keep it i'll keep it um i do agree it goes a little too long and i'll ding it a few points when we do our rating for that, um, I, what I like about this song is it brings in the jazz piece of Trip Hop, which is a part of the skeleton of, of Trip Hop. There are some really cool live bass flourishes throughout this song. Um, I actually prefer the instrumental version to the Horace Andy version. Um, it just does go a little bit long. Um, what I do think is funny about the whole sample story is it's true. They used it Isaac Hayes sample in there, which they did not clear. But it was an Isaac Hayes cover of another song, and if, if that particular part that they used was any kind of interpolation of the original song, it would have cost them a lot of money. But because it was just a little change that Isaac Hayes did to his cover, they only had to work with Isaac, and it ended up not being as big of a deal. Stupid. Stu- I don't even know why I brought it up. Cut that out. But it is interesting uh, sample, law, uh, uh, sample law story, which... Is coming up in the news a lot lately. I don't know if you heard, but De La Soul had to basically like remix an entire album because there was too many samples, so it doesn't sound anything like it's the original version, which sucks. Uh, anyways, that's popping up in the news. That being said, I like Exchange for the jazziness, the bass line. Uh, just slice a minute off of it, and we are good to go.
0: That's fair. Steven... Do you need to uh, demand a refund, or are you gonna get, get an exchange?
1: No, I think I, I think I like it more than you guys do. This is one of my favorite songs in the album. Um, again, I like songs that fade in and fade out, kind of like you're coming into the middle of a scene or walking into a room, and the things are already happening. Um, this song fades in, it fades out. Uh, it's probably the only track in the album that maybe you could strip down and do live with just like drum and bass. Like a stand-up bass player and a drummer, I like that about it. Uh, I like it, and I actually like the the last track is kind of like a yeah. Uh, uh, is the last track just the same song with vocals? I mean, it sounds a little different to me.
2: No, the last track is not. That is a bonus track, Steve. The last track on this okay. song is what? Guard four, right? Or yeah.
1: No, the way the way my um, like I haven't listened to the CD in forever. The way that I listened to this album on here is that when the other version of the song came on, to me it sounded almost like a a, a, a coda,
0: which was kind of fun. Uh, I I enjoy this song quite a bit. I mean, color me surprised. I thought that you were to be checking your watch all four minutes of this track. I mean, it is a jazzy little number. I don't hate it. I mean, it is sounds very pleasant to the ears it's just one of those things when you're sitting down and really trying to focus on the record. This is like, all right, are we done yet? Are we good? Are we good? Um, well, that, that's part of it. this record for me though, Mark, is there as
1: much as I like it, it is a lot of, it's a background record for me, the yeah. style of music in general. Uh, and that's just fine with me. Um, and this track, yeah, it sounds like something that uh, if it's another rainy day, like every rainy day that has been raining for this rainy year, it's good rainy day music so, outside of like Gene it.
0: Syberry, I'm glad you're listening to this one can't <laughs> rain all the time
2: well I, I, I what I will my last point on this is um a few times on this record they re- the record they remind me they're using live instruments here and there and the, that 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 improvisational stand-up bass is it's very sweet on this song I like it
0: all right it is time to talk about dissolved girl so let's put her in that acid bath and dissolve her That was dissolved girl. On this particular track, we've got a relatively unknown singer by the name of Sarah J giving us the vocal pipes. To me, it sounds like the lady also uh, sings lead vocals on Sneaker Pimps. So Sneaker Pimps apparently took this template and ran with it. Um, it's good. I mean, I, I, I like this song. It's got some jamming towards the end. It's got like a a breakdown that you know you just want to want to move to, want to mosh to. Um, it's one of the one of the uh, earliest songs actually written and recorded for this particular piece of uh, album. They even took her out on the road as a preview to. Essentially, like test the waters for those film heads out there. It was not only featured in the film The Jackal. It was an early demo version, starring you know friend of the show Val Kilmer, old Ice Man himself. But it was also featured in the film The Matrix. If you uh, listen closely, you can hear Neo listening to this particular track on his headphones near the beginning of the film, before he enters the Matrix. Um, it's a good song. Uh, what we got here, we've got um, Sarah J kind of doing her little crooning. Initially, you could think of this song as a pretty deep cut, which it is. But when you listen to this album as a whole, it fits right in there, just like the dude does in The Big Lebowski. Eric, tell me about the dissolved girl.
2: Thank you. I'm glad you brought up the Jackal soundtrack and The Matrix listen i'm I'm a big nerd for soundtrack songs, especially 90s soundtrack songs. so uh you know, you know, points to this for somehow finding its way on a forgotten spy movie starring friend of the show Val Kilmer. but um The song itself, I got i my notes were sneaker pimps. Also, Uh, I think because of that, it's the most dated on the album. Like, I think the rest of it, you know, the the production wise, could just be some spacey, uh, spacey electro inspired music from any era uh, in the last twenty years. But um, this song might be the most dated, uh, but I do like it as well. Um, the song itself is about a a woman who is emotionally done with a relationship, but stays in it because it dulls the pain of the world. Uh, and um, you know, it uh, it's all right though. It's it's one of the least interesting tracks on here, but that is not necessarily a you know that doesn't take away from the track itself because this is a solid album. It's just a nice little bass. It's like a if we have to get like a base a bass and a ceiling. This might be the bass, but it is a uh it's still a it's still a fine track and it, it feels nice to the ears. And uh I wish I wished best for a relatively unknown singer. Uh what was her name? Sarah Sarah J. Holly.
0: All right, Stephen. Are we talking about the same song? Christ Almighty.
1: This is like the best song in the album. Dissolve Girl? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it, this is a, it's the most adventurous song in the album. Crossfire. It actually, it actually has some tempo changes that go somewhere. Uh, the bass actually takes a walk instead of just crawling. Um, you know, it starts out like another massive attack song in this album, but then some really good fuzz guitar comes in and some actual riffs. It's got some riffs in it. Uh, this is the track where I can see how, like, if you're a if you're a fan of industrial from the nineties that you might cross over to be a massive attack fan. I can see nine Snails fans definitely digging this, this song. Um, what's also though interesting is it as hard as that side of it is like, I think it's probably the, the hardest song on the album at, at, at points. It's the most rocking. It also some of the repetitive keyboard drones and the, uh, vocals from, uh, the young lady you were talking about, Remind me of many of the uh, kind of seesaws in between the rock and part, and then some of this like laconic dream pop stuff that's so popular amongst the youth of today. And by that I mean, you know, take Lana Del Rey and smash her together with that band that did a lot of the Drive soundtrack, the Chromatics. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that genre owes something to Massive Attack, okay. especially the Chromatics. Yeah. Uh d- d- yeah, the drive soundtrack might as well they, they might as well write a letter to Massive Attack and say thank you for giving us an idea of how to make a whole soundtrack out of uh some throwback stuff. But uh anyways, probably my second favorite song in the album, actually, not my first. And uh, I dig the guitars, and you know what else I hear in this song? I hear a little mogwai. I hear Mogwai occasionally in this record. Now you know Mogwai isn't they haven't been this way for 20 years they've kind of been this way. But what I, what I mean by that is that when we think of the old Mogwai, which is just quiet and loud, quiet and loud, that's, that's quite a bit of rocking Mogwai, yes. But then also Mogwai has tons of songs that are like subdued, uh, piano-based, fuzzed-out piano tracks with like weird, ethereal electronic effects. I hear a little bit of that on this track because you take that stuff and then you got some crunchy guitars, and you got some limey stuff going on. And when you take crunchy guitars, limey stuff in electro-instrumental sections, you get Mogwai. Anyhow, I, I, I like this song as much as it bores Eric, apparently.
2: I, did, I, I said I like it fine, but I will say this. The Scottish band Mogwai would punch you in the cock for calling them limeys. Just saying.
1: <laughs> That's true. And I've seen Mogwai 5 times. I've seen them 5 times. I know they're Scottish, but you know what? If it's not America, it might as well be a, a limey.
0: So, that is true, especially if uh, you know, the Banshees of Erin um, that's 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 Irish, Mark. You see? It's all the same. It's all the same stew <laughs> with just oh a different flavor.
2: Going to get the IRA against this now too. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Michael Collins. um all right i mean dissolve girl like it has that breakdown that uh you know would make any mogwai nine inch nails fan uh smile ear to ear Uh, i I think it's a good song um i think it's good i think it's good it's a forgotten track by old massive attack
1: it's funny that it's funny i'm I'm like this is top of the shelf send me to the moon and you guys are like that's all right it's uh,
0: good i i I mean like maybe i'm just not expressing my enthusiasm enough like that uh breakdown um it's good it's really good it's a really good song it's it is a deep cut that deserves more credit how about that steven did i sell it enough i love it all right all right let's go knock on the door to the man next door So that was The Man Next Door, and I hate to tell you this, folks, but this is my least favorite track on the record. Um, It's a product mostly of Daddy G's desire to do a reggae cover, apparently, and that reggae cover is sung by Horace Andy, who did the title track. Um, Whenever this song would come on, I'd be like, alright, alright, alright. Over the years, though, it has grown on me a little bit. But it is not my favorite. The kind of intonation on the vocals, it's. Let me just say it. I don't really subscribe to that buffoonery, but that's fine.
2: You're a bumba clot.
0: Hey, if that's your thing, baby, you know, let your freak flag fly. Um, but the man next door. I'm going to have to close the door on the man next door. Steven, prove me wrong. I was
1: trying to uh, sometimes I listen to the songs to remind myself which ones we're talking about.
0: I hear you. Yeah.
1: And uh you know, this one, yeah, not my favorite track. Um Horace Andy sometimes when he sings and I know that on the first track. I I I, I know I get that Horace Andy's on a few of these songs. I actually never like I, I I never placed that the guy on this song is not the person who I thought was a woman on the opening track, um, if that makes sense. But I thought they were two different people, and Horace Andy in this song remind when I listen to it. You know, he, remi- he reminds me of you guys know the uh, the oh well, let's see he was a author he was a um, did a few things. You ever see? Ever seen or listen to? You see, he, he speaks a lot. Did James Baldwin speak at all? You're watching any videos of him,
0: I have not, but I've heard the name
1: Eric.
2: Familiar, but I can't quote you anything. All
1: right. Well, James Baldwin was a uh, very much uh, part of the uh, um civil rights movement, and uh, he definitely had a very like specific way of speaking. Um. And when I listen to this guy sing, it kind of reminds me in, of James Baldwin speaking. I don't know. It's a compliment. I, James James Baldwin had like this air of like intellectual like grace to him, and I kind of get that vibe in this track. I don't know. That's it's weird. It's just uh, the the way this guy sings reminds me of James Baldwin speaking. Um, that's all I've really got to say
0: about this track. Fair enough, Eric. What are you hearing knocking at your door?
2: My notes are way more forgiving of this song than the last song, but my heart of hearts enjoys the experience of the last song more than this one. But uh, I will agree, Horace Andy is hit and miss um, for me. I think he's well respected, and obviously people like him for what he does. Uh, when Massive Attack uses him, sometimes it's for the greater good, um, sometimes not. This one is somewhere in between. He's got this bu- this uh this kind of like rubber bandy delivery where it's da 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 like up and down. Um I I people will probably love his delivery on this song. Um, but uh the background music is not the most interesting on the album, but it is a cover and it is is reggae-ish, dubby like it fits into the, the mythos of massive attack because of that. And I and and I and I really appreciate it for that. And actually, the story the song tells is 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 just funny. It's you've got this neighbor who's loud, who's like raging, who's listening to music really loud, punching holes in the wall. It's just like a funny, like like this is a song. Like you're just singing a song about your neighbor who's disrupting you. Like it's just such a silly little story that I almost appreciate it. A little moment of levity on this record. Um, And it fits into the backstory of massive attack. I'm okay with it. It works not high marks, but good enough for me.
0: So we got track eight black milk. Let's uh, take a little sip of that black milk which is the opposite of a white Russian. so that was black milk it's the second elizabeth fraser song after teardrop uh this song also faced some sample nonsense things were not cleared old manford man old blinded by the light if you tuned in to our last series of episodes we discussed the boss the Boss also had the song Blinded by the Light, which Old Manford Man, if you've ever watched the movie Blow with Old Captain Scarves' Johnny Depp, you have heard that song. Manford Man did not like the fact that the song Tribute didn't get a sample clearance, and so this song eventually found its form in the, in the way of the song Black Melt, which You could hear off of the collected Massive Attack. But Massive Attack was taken to the old judge, and they had to pay 100,000 pounds. I don't know what that converts to U.S. dollars. You do the math, it all fluctuates.
2: I like the idea of them arguing their case in front of a powdered wig. Uh,
0: Definitely. Like old Toad Hall. Like, I always picture any court... Order! (laughs) Order! Like a horse comes and says, you know, like I had the deed and all of that, uh, you know, if you really want to know what the fuck I'm talking about, just watch yeah. uh, Mr. Toad uh, from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride.
2: Well, I don't know. Toad
1: he said he so cleared the sample. <laughs> it'd be about, about $120,000 into uh, today's U.S. dollar. That's, that's all I know.
0: And for uh, three guys from Bristol, um, that's like suing the three guys from us. So uh, that's a chunk of change, folks. But anyways, Black Melt, I like it. I I like what's going on here. uh, It's a tad long, but it has atmosphere for days instead of the beauty that you see in Teardrop. It's very inky on this particular song. It's very inky. I like it. There's a little bit of a jam going on here. Um, and if uh, Casey Chaos was the fourth chair tonight, he would say this song is heavy. It's got a lot of atmosphere. Eric, you've taken a big old swig of that black milk.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, all i got to say about it is this song is heavy, and it's got a lot of atmosphere. Um, but uh, it's Uh, Elizabeth Frazier comes up again, uh, secret sauce, secret sauce, uh, so a little syrupy, but it's spacey in the right way. Um, lyrics are like, basically like, it's kind of when you feel like you're forced into marriage due to religion, uh, marriage equals death when you're not like, you know, when it's not done in love, uh, that's kind of what it's about dark track, kind of an anti-love song. Um, And uh, yeah, it's got some really fun turntable work in it. And uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy this one just fine. I wouldn't say it's a standout track necessarily, but uh, whatever they paid a hundred thousand dollars for creates just the right amount of atmosphere.
0: That's for sure. I mean, it's like a song that you would hear like in a nightclub scene in some futuristic neo-noir movie. And uh, I'm all right with that. Steven, black milk. Are you taking it back to the bartender or are you uh, taking a big drink? Um, yeah, you know, I'd be remiss
1: earlier. I, I mentioned I was reading the, the Chris Claremont run of X-Men comics. And I just said the Chris Claremont run, which is, I you know what I hate when people do, is they just mentioned the writers of long comic runs, and they don't bring up the artists because the artists bring so much more to these books than the writers do. And on the uh, Chris Claremont run, you've got uh, Dave Cockrum, you've got John Byrne, Paul Smith, Jim Lee, Wilch, Wilch Patricio, Mark Silvestri, John Romita Jr. That's just off the top of my head. A great run of artists in the uh, X-Men Chris Claremont group of books. And for this song, on my sheet, I just wrote no notes. I don't have any notes for this track.
2: Is that what the aliens use to get into you in the <laughs> X-Files? Did they pour black milk into your sockets?
1: No notes. Not by design. Uh, like I said, I wrote my notes down in my phone app. The, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got nothing on this one.
0: So. Fair enough. I mean, uh, if uh, I don't know if that's a detractor or a promoter, but uh, neutral. It's neutral. It's neutral. It's neutral chaos. That's
1: a All neutral. Right. It's, a, it's a neutral. Black milk hotel.
0: All right. So let's move on into the mezzanine. so boys we've entered the mezzanine it's the title track from the album uh, that we're talking about this very evening and for listeners you know you're listening to it in real time apparently now apparently through my research they felt the same way about this track that george lucas felt about this song as he did the new hope they were just never quite satisfied with the mix with the end result but it had to be moved out the door hopefully in the special edition version of this record is that we won't see Jawas where they shouldn't be and uh, an awkward Han Solo stepping over Jabba the Hutt's tail but I do enjoy this song I don't know why they were so frustrated with it, it seems to work fine work fine you've got like some burbling base that uh uh definitely kind of keeps the momentum going um 3d and daddy g go back and forth just like they did off of inertia creeps it's a good one rising sun It's fine. It's fine. Mezzanine's fine. This song is fine. It's fine. However, however, However. point of order. When I get to this part of the record, I'm like, are we almost done yet? This record seems to be going on quite a bit, and it's very front loaded. Um, I like this rec. I, I, I like this song, but it's not a song that you like instantly remember. It's like, oh, yeah, this song. It's fine. It's good. While you're cleaning the house, does the job. Eric, does this do the job for you?
2: It does do the job for me. Um, I do have, like, something that says, like, maybe not the most memorable song, but the beat, the sampling, the high-pitched saw synth. Like, it it really does. Like, there are moments that really work in this song. Um, Not only does his vocal delivery kind of sound like bill Leeb from frontline assembly frontline assembly sampled this song and there's in their track unknown dreams um uh so I, i don't know this one is where i get some of the industrial vibes uh but um you know it's it's kind of like this the the lyrics are interesting it's 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 almost like uh uh when you're kind of um you know, when your life is like in this club world, uh, and then when real life happens, you're kind of losing your grip on reality uh, because a lot of what your attention is, is is on is your nightlife, which is like a shifted reality. Um, and then when that crosses over with your love life, um, you know, with somebody who's high, like, do they love you during the day? During or only on the weekends uh, it's it's an interesting concept I, I i like analyzing what the song's about and the song itself just it just fits the move of the album very well i'm i'm good with mezzanine i'm good with it
0: stephen
1: it's interesting on this album that uh we seem to have strong opinions in very in, in diverging directions on some of these songs more so than often it seems like uh, this is another one that might be like, I like this song a lot. Um, I like this is another noisier one. I guess I like the noisier songs on this album. And I like the persistent bass line on this one. There's like a persistent, like, do 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 like, uh, the synthetic arpe- bas 있을, arpegio, arpe- yeah, yeah. bass line. Arpeggio. Yeah. Yes. It just keeps going throughout the whole track. Uh, that sound effect, that, uh, doon, 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 uh, electronic keyboard of some sort effect that kind of loops. I dig that there's at least two vocalists or are there three on this one? There's, there's a female vocal at parts. And then are there two massive attackers or one on this, Eric? You I, I'm not sure. There's at least a man and a woman on this track. And I like the,
2: as Mark I mean, said, it's got daddy G and, and, and Robert Del Nagia. Um, okay. Yeah, as far as a and, as far as a lady,
0: there's a lady that. on it too. There is uh, a lady. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's uh, Sally J or if that's Elizabeth Fraser, but yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know I, if it's
1: I, the, the cocktail I, twin or no
3: uh, fuck.
1: Well, oh, who, boy. all right. Listen, oh, boy. whoever it is, <laughs> whoever it is, it's got this 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 song to me sounds like three bands in one, um, uh, and this record. I mean, this record kind of is three different records in one, in a way. You've got the old style Massive Attack songs. You've got the, uh, the cockatoo twin type songs, be it, be it the cockatoo twin or someone else. I don't even know if I pronounced that band's name correctly. And then you've got the, um, Horace Andy songs. And this, I don't think Horace Andy's on this track, but, uh, this, this track blends all three of them, I think. It's, it's kind of like a, uh, it's got like a few movements to it. I, I, I like it. I like this track. It's a good one to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a it's a good title track. I mean, it just the front half of the record yeah. is nothing but bangers, and then the, the second half of the record is just nothing but moody atmosphere.
1: It's the mash. It's, there's the bangers and there's the mash. And the bangers works, mash.
0: Go.
2: Don't speak too it's soon. Like a we have a British closing, we have a breakfast. Closing, we have a closing track that might that might change that that algorithm.
0: That is true, and let's go ahead and uh, group up, but in groups of four, with group four. that was group 4 which is essentially the closing track we've got 3d Elizabeth Fraser kind of going back and forth and this is the longest track off of the record the deal with this record or this particular song it's operatic builds it's a changing track it closes the album Um, It has movements, if you will. Route 4, it was inspired by, you know, 3D, mostly writing with Elizabeth Frazier. And they're just kind of going back and forth. And, you know, this song, it's epic. You know, the song has a little bit of 3D talking about almost like a waking up after a heavy night of drinking which, you know, this might be a great song for me to listen to tomorrow morning after I record this uh, particular episode Um, It's good. It is definitely a highlight of the record. It's a good closer even though it's long in length It's redundant But I will say that it sticks the landing. You know, it it gives you an epic ending to a fairly epic record. Steven, group four, tell me all about it. Well, he's gone. He's offline. Cliff Clavin had to deliver some mail. Uh so Eric, tell me all about group four
2: yeah, this is a definitely a highlight for me um I think casual listeners might you know maybe not even get this far in the album um but it does a- end with a banger and it's it's interesting uh despite it being uh Yes, what you talked about, the song's about, there's actually another layer to it. Group 4 is the name of a security agency that does nightclubs in the UK. And so the perspective of the song is about a a, uh, a bouncer that's just kind of like picking up on the different lives of the people around him and then trying to kind of live his own life. It's interesting. It's very like empathetic. Um, and uh it's got this like once again you got the spy bass back that Peter Gunn bass. Uh, the strings come in during the Elizabeth Fraser parts and it gives it like a James Bondy theme song. And uh, you, then you got a backbeat uh, towards the end where you've got more of that post punk guitar work that kind of bookends it like the first track like Angel. Um, and it ends so huge in the best way. Somewhere in there there's a sample from by Pink Floyd's the song Up. The Kyber, which I'm not familiar with. Maybe you are. And uh, my favorite line in the lyrics is, I train myself in martial arts. Because you know this is a good security guard. Because he knows how to kick some ass.
0: All right. Uh, Well, it looks like one uh, third of the Trinity is... uh, facing some technical difficulties, meaning the, so he posted up the clown being drunk like the crusty the Clown does whenever there's a technical issue. So I don't know if he'll be rejoining us for this evening, but Stephen thinks that this song is a B plus, if you care to know, if you're keeping score out there. So let's hear a little bit of the last and final track off of Mezzanine, which is Parenthetical Exchange. All right, so exchange parenthetical. We've got the early melody from the title uh, from one of the uh, song titles, Exchange. But this time we've got Horace Andy um, crooning over it, giving us a little bit of lyrics like, You see a man's face, but you don't see his heart. You see a man's face, but you'll never know his thoughts. Very good, Horace Andy. Thanks for closing it out. And bringing us back to a song that two out of three of us thought was just okay. And that is Mezzanine. So, so before Mark,
2: let me, sorry, I'm sorry. Let me ask you this, just because it's going to bug me because I'm a, a like OCD about this. I thought the original album ended with group four. And then they they tagged the bonus track, the vocal version of Exchange on the streaming versions. Yay or nay? do you, know,
0: you know I'm pretty sure that it was on even the CD version oh. Oh, so All I right. understand well, if you don't want to uh, you know include it in the the notes I mean it's again more of a coda than the actual final track it's fine Eric don't worry about it In, my head, no in my head
2: gr- group four is a great ending group group four ends with
3: satisfaction
0: Yeah I mean honestly group four could have been like the the closing button on that top coat but they decided to give us a little bit of a throwback a little callback to what was also on the album to just let us know that hey this is the end but it's fine. There's no reason to pontificate about the exchange. We can go on to our li- rankings.
2: Yeah. Horace Andy has had his say on this album. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. So rankings.
0: Rankings. I'm going to give this record. So in terms of the album cover, we've got a, uh, I don't know. It looks like a goddamn dung beetle. If you've watched A Bug's Life, you'll know what a dung beetle is. Um, I'm going to give this 4.4 dung beetles because it's a long record. It is one of their best. I do love Massive Attack, but they can be a little droney. They can like go a little bit long. I have to be in a mood for this band. I have to be in a mood. And when I picked this record, I was in that mood. I was like, yeah, let's talk some Massive Attack, Mezzanine, fucking classic trip hop record. And like I said, it was a coin flip between maybe this one and Porta said, self titled one, uh, or even the one that had, you know, Sour Times. Those were two important, three important records, really, um, as I was getting into more alternative music and wanted to really stretch my wings about what music meant for me emotionally and this was certainly one of them so 4.4 i think massive attack is a good band with a little bit of a disjointed in quality some people think that you know they're always churning out masterworks but i think in my own opinion 4.4 4.4 is kind of how I feel about the trip-hop genre as itself. I think the Massive Attack is the godfathers of the genre, but I do think that Porter said might be slightly better, um, better arrangements, better orchestration, but I wanted to give it up to the godfathers of the genre. Eric, what do you think of Mezzanine?
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and actually, I would say this is Massive Attack's best album, uh, as far as um, start to finish. Uh, even the less memorable tracks still fit the pastiche of the album, so it it always it has a unified feel, um, and it's it's always very pleasing to the ears, even if songs go long or don't have the hooks of the other songs. Um, It's great. The production is unbeatable on this one. Um, And uh, yeah, no, I like it a lot. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, uh, You know, just because like, like that's kind of just how I feel about one that at worst, uh, my excitement drops a little bit, um, but I still enjoy what's happening in my ears and won't skip a track. Uh, But at the same time, you know, like you said, there's a mood for it. Um, I would say that, uh, adventurous listeners, if you want to look ahead, there's a couple of non-album tracks that I would be remiss not to not to mention. If you like some of their post-punk style guitar work, check out their song, False Flag. Very cool song that was uh, single only. And then check out their song Eye Against Eye with Most Def from the Blade 2 soundtrack, which is very good.
4: Very,
3: very good. good. Very but good. I, I, yeah, but,
2: I, 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 but Massive Attack uh, has a very warm place in my heart. And four out of five, ain't
4: bad.
0: So, it ain't uh, bad. Um, I think we've got um, our... Uh, gentleman back after uh, kicking the router over or having his laptop die. Steven, tell us your ranking. Can you hear Can you hear us? No? All right. It looks like um, he's still having technical difficulties, so I'm going to share what he had shared with us. Steven is going to give this a 3.6. Um, it is not his probably preferred genre. He likes more riffage, more than atmosphere. You know, if uh, Robert Del Naja does not come out onto the stage with his sleeves cut off, he is already detracting one point. So, so it goes 36 So that, folks, wraps up our discussion on Massive Attack. Hopefully it wasn't a Massive Attack. Um, But we all want to know what's next. So we only have nine records on the board currently. So, Eric, roll them magic diamond dice.
2: How many do you have left?
0: Nine is your highest number.
2: Beautiful. Mark, we have got a little over halfway, we've got a five. <music>
0: Oh my goodness! So number five, it was a record released September 30th, 1985, by a an artist that we all love. We all love. We all love. This is going to be a talk, and I've been looking forward to maybe even having a reason to do a run through. It is the album Rain Dogs. Hey. By Tom Waits, nominated by Eric. So it is Tom time, folks. We're going to be talking about Tom Waits. I think we've. Uh, it is time. We've teased them enough. We teased them enough.
2: It's time. It's time to get into that gutter. It is get
3: that gutter.
0: time for some Cookie Monster junkyard <laughs> music. All right. So, we will find a connection of how to connect Massive Attack to Tom Waits on our next episode. But as always, thank you for listening. Find us on all of the socials. Danny the Rain Dog. Absolutely. Danny the Rain Dog. Drop a coin into our guitar case at Ko fi. And we'll drop the link in our show notes as always this has been mark steve and eric we love you all and get your umbrellas out for rain dogs on our next episode where we talk tom tom waits we hope that we brought you closer to bristol